pass from Havili was magic. The shift on for Crotty. Boom, far down you go, Quackett Smith. Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that. Yes, boy. Draft Rugby, the game they play in heaven. Welcome to Season 6, Episode 13 of the Draft Rugby Show, the podcast they play in heaven. I'm one of your hosts, Kagi, and joining me are the lads Harry and Nelson, fresh off a nice long Easter weekend. Uh, We had some great games of rugby. We had the first round of some buys this week as well. But um, first of all, gents, how are you and how was your long Easter weekend? You, You guys were both away down the coast? Yeah, it's very good, mate. Uh, down at the family farm, farm, you know, just the hardy, hardy battled uh, farmers that we are, just looking after the land, you know, moving some rocks, doing some hard work. Very good, very good. I think your, your, yeah, description, no. your description itself just then proved that you have absolutely no <laughs> idea about farming, but excellent. Nelson, do you want to try again to have a better shot? Um, mate, no, we just chilled out, had some marshmallows by the fire and had a surf. And we both almost drowned. So it was a good weekend. Yeah, it was good. Fantastic. I think Harry even tried to post some photos of himself driving a tractor on Instagram, but I think the old man kicked him off because uh, he was worried about safety concerns and whatnot. Very um, understandable. Um, Fair. Excellent. And uh, and what are the rugby guys? There was um, some some good games, but obviously uh, the Waratahs weren't playing because the buys in round mm. seven were the Chiefs, Waratahs, Force and Drua, but um, some good games nonetheless. The Waratahs were playing, mate. The Waratahs were women, and they belted the Fijiana and Drua. So I think that was a highlight for me, to be honest. And we got the whole family, not Nelson, he wasn't invited, but the whole family watching the game, and it was, uh, it was a cracker. Very true. What about I was invited, you just couldn't make it. Excellent. Okay, well, um, before we get on to uh, our menu for tonight, um, I guess in terms of notable podcaps, we sometimes like to revisit that from time to time. Nelson's just hit the 142 podcaps mark, and we've got him on drawing level with uh, Sergio Parise in uh, the international test caps. Um, Same haircut. Hasn't gone to as many... Same haircut, but hasn't gone to as many World Cups as old mate Parise, but, um, you know. That's true. (laughs) Not even as a fan. Not even as a fan. (laughs) Will in time. Um, But, all right. uh, right, Do you want to do a, a Subaru tipping update before I get into the menu? Of course, mate. This is the, the Super Brew comp that everyone's hanging out for. So top this week was Zinzan and Wokefield, both on seven points. I think Wokefield picked the exact margin for the Crusaders at 17 points. That's pretty impressive. But both of them did far better than Nelson and I, and we did pretty average but still did far better than Kagi. That takes us to the leaderboard. First, now the new top clear leader by himself is Brad Breath on 47 points, followed closely by... Samu Tux Deluxe at 46.75 points. And in third place, Cavino on 44.75 points. So they do have a bit of a buffer. Love that name, Samu Tux Deluxe as well. Um, th- this week was actually the first week I remembered to put in a Super Brew pick. So um, I didn't actually see how I went. Come back on. Come back on. That's it. We're starting. We're starting here. Um, all right. For Entree, uh, sorry, menu tonight, Entree, review of round seven, preview. We're going to look at round eight, the games to come and the buys. And for dessert, uh, Nelson's got some nonce he wants to talk about. Um, and we'll see what it is when we get there. Um, so for Entree, let's rip into it. Round seven, as I said before, this first was the first week in Super Rugby Pacific where we had some buys. So we had buys for the Chiefs, Waratahs, Force, and Drua. Uh, and the first game was the Crusaders and Moana Pacifica, which was a fantastic game. And uh, 
yeah, it really kind of was was almost went down to the wire. It was really in the balance, kind of into the seventieth minutes almost. But um, uh, Harry, do you want to take us through your thoughts on that game? Yeah, look, I think Moana kind of showed us what they've showed us every week, and that is that uh, Timothy Tavatavanawai and Levi Amua are just outrageous talents and no one's able to stop them. I think at one point Amua scored a try where he just ran an unders line and just bumped through about three tackles. Like it was, It's just unfair how good the two of them are. I think they're cracked 70 tackle busts between them now this week, surely. So it's just, uh, it, it really is just those two dominating. And I, I'd be very worried to see Moana playing without them. But yeah, they just worth so many points. There's only really one fight for MVP, uh, Super Rugby uh, Pacific MVP, and it's between them. That's it. <laughs> you know, like, I yeah. Um, yeah, like it. As you said, it was it was pretty close up until about the 60th minute, and then the Crusaders scored a couple of late tries to kind of pull away from them. But um, Dallas McLeod was the begin, I guess, with Leicester pulling out with that tight calf. He he played, I think he played 80. Um, but he, he was very, very good again. Um, I think, you know, despite that, David Avili came on after about six minutes with Jack Goodyear getting a concussion as well. So good to see Avili back in the mix, but probably a little bit quiet as well. So he's now got another week or a couple of weeks to get his body right. Yep, very good. And we saw, um, if you're not joining us, of course, watching the video, uh, you would see Harry's background picture for this ep is none other than Settle Down Milani Nanai. We saw him debut for the Crusaders. Little 16-minute cameo there at the end. But, oh, mate, just as exciting as ever back in Super Rugby. Uh, he had three awesome touches. These two offloads that cre- both created huge breaks. Uh, and the last one, in fact, resulted in the final Crusaders try. Um, so he just looks dangerous and... We've all here got our fingers crossed that he just uh, starts on the right wing for the Crusaders, replacing Sever Reese for the rest of the year. Um, even though none of us managed to yep. pick him up at our fantasy sides. We've got two uh, good sides, mate. Two good sides. We didn't need them. That's it. Well, uh, Nels, anything anything else to add on that one? Or do you want to jump into the next game? No, look, I'll, I'll jump into the the Reds Brumbies. It, this was touted by all the Reds fans as going to be as good as the Brumbies Waratahs, and I can confirm it was not. Um, the Reds started well. They they scored a try early with Manny Fassler, um scoring in five minutes, uh, just throwing the ball around, all out attack from the Reds. But in, in the ninth minute, we had that yellow upgraded to red card from Angus. Like really technique. Um, I I don't think it was malicious, but it was idiotic. So he deserves a red card. I think he deserves to to sit out for a number of weeks um, after that. But yeah, so he he was upgraded to a red card, but um, he could still be replaced after 20 minutes, which, I mean, even felt too soft. Like he should have been red carded. No one replaced him, I thought, for the rest of the match. Well, that, that was an interesting one for me, is that they said, depending on how the review, it's reviewed, there is a type of review... I forget exactly what they have to call it, but there's a type of review where he wouldn't be able to be replaced for the rest of the match. Um, it's Yeah, there's a full 80-minute uh, red card that can yeah. come from the ref. I'm not sure if that can come from a, uh, the, the review, though. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, they, were, they were talking about in commentary, but I didn't know that. I didn't even know that was a possibility <clears throat> in Super Rugby Pacific, but they said there is a scenario yeah. in which you can get a red card and cannot replace the player. Yeah, look, I think, I think the um, thing for him was that it was reckless, but it wasn't, you know, him punching someone in the head. Malicious. Yeah, yeah, it was. It wasn't malicious. Um, but look, yeah, he took Corey uh, Corey Tool out in the process of, uh, apparently of trying to charge a, a kick down. Corey Tool did not look okay. I felt really bad from there. Uh, really, really unstable on his feet. And and people say that cards ruin games, but 
not having Corey Tool, you know, the the hotline, Corey hotline was was missing in this one, and that was a bit of a bummer. But yeah, look, the Reds scored a, a pretty good try after that through Tate McDermott, um, you know, off off a pretty messy ball off the line out. Just showed that he should be, you know, considered for for the Wallabies squad. Um, but yeah, we we also had a, a pretty good try. Nossie Lonigan went over from a lineout more. And then we also had a, a lineout more from Fraser McWright. Since when do the Brumbies let them in and when do the Reds score them? But that's pretty much all she wrote. The the Brumbies broke away with this one and, and ended up winning 52 24. I think the crazy thing for me in this one was the Reds scored two rolling mall tries. And that's off the back of a, yeah. a tight five that have looked like they have absolutely nothing in the mall. So the Brumbies being the strongest mall team in the comp, I thought that was really exceptional from them and meant, you know, I, I think you can see the growth in their game as a tight five with such a young pack. Um, it was it was a really good sign for them, despite the fact that obviously the Brumbies came out at halftime and just kind of took control and looked like they kind of turned, turned the screws a little bit too hard for the Reds to go with them. But um, that was definitely one positive for the Reds. Yeah, for sure. sure. And, and they still looked a little, um, I don't know, like maybe a little lost with uh, Lawson Crichton was obviously starting at 10. And when James O'Connor came on, it's not like he really steadied up the ship too much. They kind of just look like they're just lacking that bit of bit of punch to get the ball out. Mate, you know, they're missing Paisami. They just can't seem to get the ball out to their dangerous I, wingers and whatnot. I, I hate to say it, but Harry and I were telling about this. Thorne doesn't seem to be the guy to get him out, you know, out, out of this slump. They, you know, previously he's had a lot of good coaches around him. Uh, at the moment, he seems to be struggling and there's something not right in, in terms of the attack, in terms of just how this team plays. There are very, very good footy players on the paddock, but something is not right at the moment. All right, this is our our second week of uh, of a podcast call out in a row. Last week we had the uh, the force. This week we've got the Reds. We're coming after every. T- You'll notice we'll never come at the Tars though. Uh, or actually, no, please, we man. We definitely the came at them. Sorry, I forget about that. We come at the Tars we, the most, actually. So we, we had a, we had a whole year. We had a whole year of carrying them to shreds. So. Yeah, we did. We yeah. still we still complain about Daryl Gibson. He hasn't coached at the Tars for years. I was going to say we're still looking yeah. looking for that marketing department, those empty desks uh, in there. Yeah. But uh, in SRU, whatever. But um, guys, next game: Highlanders versus the Hurricanes. The Hurricanes got it done fourteen twenty nine. It felt pretty close. I think similar to the the Reds Brumbies. Like early on in the game, for the first half of the game, it felt like it was going to go either way. But the Hurricanes just managed to pull away. They were just, I guess, a class above. Kagi, what'd you have on this one? Yeah, uh, sorry, tuned out then. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Um, <laughs> it, it, it did the scoreline at the end there makes it seem like you know it's, it's a d- double the score, but the Highlanders were much more impressive. Um, Falaf Akatava looked really good at a t- uh, in at ten there, um, and Cam Miller I thought was quite impressive. So Mitch Hunt was pulled out pre-game, uh, and the youngster I, I'm not sure if this was his starting debut or if he had started one game previously this year at ten. Starting debut, but he'd come off the bench once. He had come off the bench, yeah. So he was really good. Um, but I mean, speaking of the the halves that were amazing, Roy Gard has <laughs> talk about players of the competition. Oh. I was talking about the two Moana Pacifica players, but Cameron Roy Gard, he's got to be. He's good. The, yeah, he's fantastic. And I don't think anyone calls him Cameron unless he's in travel. But yeah, Cam Roy Gard, he he's in my eyes the future All Black for sure in this nine jersey and could be there for a long time. There are the good players around, but he is looking special. Is. I think I just saw um, an article today and it was talking about that. He's knocking on the door for higher honours already. I was like, all right, let's calm down. But, you know, maybe, maybe. I mean, he is 100%. He's, he's got a, he's, he's, I mean, don't get me wrong. The competition is Aaron Smith, Brad Weber, and TJ Perinara. 
and those three are pretty impressive for a long period of time. But he's on form. He's definitely competing. I think he's fourth in line already. Yeah, Yeah, you're probably right. He probably is. Now, I don't know because I tuned out whether you talked about this uh, or not, Harry, but the uh, the Highlanders, um, they went from like basically towards the end of the game, they just started turning the ball over again and again and again. So um, from about the 50th minute, I think we've got them at five turnovers. And at the end of the game, they lost it about 17 times. So but it was it was the minute that Frizzell uh, came off at 50 minutes. They were five turnovers. At the end of the game, it was 17. So you so saying that they can't catch without Frizzell on the field? Is that the relevance of the <laughs> Mate, Frizzell no, statement? No, what I'm saying, what I'm saying is like he clearly was working hard around the breakdown securing the ball and then all of a sudden when he's walked off the field they weren't securing the ball at all they weren't working hard enough in the breakdown to keep the ball and they were having major issues he was working very hard at breakdown the handling was also just so poor though they knocked it on every freaking time they had a chance true yeah, I, but that was all game as a Frizzell fan and and with him in my fantasy team um, i agree he does is that talismanic uh type of uh, character just provides an aura but uh, I'd like him it's to hard work, mate. less of that work around the breakdown and more of his just uh, barnstorming carries, please, because that's how I get my fantasy points. But uh, no, anyway, it was a good one. Uh, but let's push on to the last game of the round. The Rebels uh, taking on the Blues in Melbourne. And um, wait, would you oh, mate, believe I had, me? I had, what, oh, I had one more point, mate. Do you oh. know who, do you know what the biggest grub in the world is? Uh, the Witchetty. Do you, do you want me to like get your punchline here or what? Mate, it's it's the Herculean grub, but the second is Dane Coles. That guy is a bloody grub. The the footage of him just smacking people, elbowing people. Honestly, I'll put it out there. That bloke is a piece of shit. He is a horrible person. And <laughs> I, I like I like shit outsery on the field, mate. I like shit outsery on the field, but he has lost some of the positive things he does on the field, and now he's just absolutely outsery. And it's not to a point of being good. Mate, I've watched you play rugby, and it was about 90% shithousery, 10% playing rugby, okay? Um, I know, and that's where the line is. And still, he's just fed <laughs> up. He's still. Very he's good. He's but I, I agree. He's just, he's just nonstop, and he's not actually playing the game anymore. It's almost like he's realising his body's letting him down from the incredible athlete that he was. The way that he can make an impact is just to be a grub and try and throw people off their game. But... I don't understand how he doesn't get pinged. If it's that bad, just ping him. Like, why did no ref ever penalise him? I think the refs are scared of him as well. You know what I mean? <laughs> mate, just that's that's park footy stuff. Go play park footy, mate. If you're going to behave like that, guys. Rebels versus the Blues. Yeah. Halftime, seventeen to fourteen to the Rebels, looking strong, in control, and then Kagi, what happened? That's what I was going to say. Would you believe me if I told you the Rebels were ahead at halftime? Uh, it was an unbelievable start, but. Um, the second half, I'm yeah, I think they just stopped rebelling, basically. You know what I mean? They just conceded the white flag. <laughs> you like that one, did you know? Um That was good, mate. Uh, yeah, thank you. Uh but no, they just absolutely fell away and um kind of like m- momentum started shifting and just uh you know, have completely got away from them. Um I have to say I think Bowden had an absolutely fantastic mate. game. Mm. Oh look, the, on, on Bowden, yeah. Like he did have a good game. His, his cross field kick, his grabber, his little chip, everything. But he, his kicking game was brilliant. He he's not bringing his his ball in hand game. His running game, which as a fantasy manager of his, I'd love to see. But um, the Rebels in the second half had twenty five percent of possession. 
Yeah, that's that's what I meant. Momentum it, it, with twenty five percent. Yeah, I mean it, it is hard to get the ball if you're not making any tackles. That's it. If you're not making any tackles, and if uh, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, look, that's going back to what Bowden was doing. Man, he had the ball on a string. Um, he just these perfect little crossfield kicks. I think. <clears throat> I think at least three, maybe four tries he set up with crossfield kicks. I know he definitely kicked one to each wing. Um, he kicked a little, you know, chip and chase through himself and then put a rubber through for another mark to lay a try. I mean, he was just on fire. They just couldn't right. uh, couldn't stop him. So, um, yeah, he, I mean, his short king game has always been a real strength for him as well. And it, it was in full force in this game. But the uh, I think the Rebels also did a pretty tough with all the injuries through their front row as well. Mafi obviously going off Definitely. pretty early in the game. And then they had Ilof, Pone, and Ulisi all to go off within the uh, second half as well. They ended up with Talakai at hooker. They couldn't really secure their set piece after that. And it kind of all fell away from there. It was almost like they just needed something to go yeah. against them. And then after that, the Blues really grew in confidence and the Rebels kind of faded away. But Brad Wilkin, I thought, exceptional. Again, he's just been going from strength to strength, probably the highlight of the Rebels for me. For sure. And and this is also the Blues running out, like their back row, if you think about it, was Choate, uh, Papali'i and Segna. You know, they didn't even have Akira or Hoskins in the, in the fold. So pretty incredible. Um <laughs> Uh, talking about all those injuries, my favorite part was Ulysse, uh completely having done his ankle for the, let's say, 700th time in his career. And then they still made him stay on just to throw that last line out before uh, halftime where they scored that try. And, and you're watching him like limping along to get to join the back of the uh, the mall and just kind of like fell over. Right. <laughs> it's the funniest thing ever. But um, no, it was good. Uh, I don't know. I think someone here has said Harry Plummer was, was thought they, he had a good good run there at 12. Yeah, I think. Look- yeah, mate. I- Going else? Yeah, I was, that was my point. So I just thought we'd go through. He, he ran over 100 metres and he looked really, really solid for them in that 12 jersey. Yeah, I, I think he, he looked at home there. Was it Bryce Heem maybe we had, you know, fill that role earlier as well, like the week before? I think he played a bit of time there at 12. Um, so, you know, it, it's looking harder and harder for Roger Tuivasa-Shek. He's come I think across he played as 13 potent- for, for Rico. Yeah, I think, I think Plummer's played there ever since Tuivasa-Shek's been injured. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm he, he needs something. to fix it though, so he he can play everywhere. Yeah, yeah. But um... guys, let's let's push on to the fantasy man of the week. None other than the same guy that wins it every week, Mark Talaya. Eighty-one points for him, despite a yellow guard. So it could have been ninety-one points. He had two tries, thirteen runs for one hundred and fifty meters, eight tackle busts, two line breaks, four offloads, and also made four out of his four tackles. On the notables, we had Timothy Tavatavanawai with 80 points again. Finlay Christie, 77 points. The double try kind of tipping him over there, but he had a blinder. Thomas Omonga Jensen, 74 points, really hitting straps now. Cam Roygaard, 72 points. is a pretty quiet game for his standards with the form he's in. And Levi Amua on 71 points as well. Very good. Uh, the super sub this week, we had Willie Hines coming off the bench the Crusaders bagged himself a try and 44 points in just 27 minutes. Um, I mean, even hey, though this was, this was Moana Pacifica's closest to an 80-minute performance, you're generally a good bet if you're coming on um, in the last 20 to 30 against Moana Pacifica. So that's always a good shout. And uh, but, Nels, because very, of your connection tonight, so. we'll give you the Captain Mud. Mate, Captain Mud award goes to none other than Angus Blythe pushing... Hard to try to do the worst ever in history with minus 19 points. That is woeful. It's I love the dramatic pause there. I love that. 
<laughs> yeah, t- totally dramatic pause and not the connection whatsoever. So fantastic. Um, all right. Well, look, that's that was our quick review of round seven. And that takes us to the main course, which is having a preview of round eight. So in round eight, uh, we have buys. Another four teams have a buy this week. So we have buys for the Blues, Crusaders, Highlanders, and Rebels. So this will certainly <clears throat> affect a lot of fantasy managers, Blues and Crusaders. Um, but uh, yeah, the first game we have on Friday night, Moana Pacifica at home taking on the Reds. Be very interesting to see how they're feeling. They'll whilst they lost last week against Crusaders, certainly have their tails up. But Harry, do you want to take us through the injuries, to uh, new injuries report and returning? Yeah, we've got um, Joe Apakatoa coming off with a concussion and Sam Slade limped off the field as well. Not sure exactly what that injury was. And then for the Reds, we had Penny Rabbi come off early in the game. Again, not exactly sure just yet what that was for. And obviously the Angus Blythe red card were expecting to cost him a couple of weeks. Um, we Returning, we have Anzelo Tuatavaki, who has been out for a couple of weeks, although I would say that he's he's probably up against some stiff competition to actually get a run now. So I'm not sure if you will actually see him. And then Tommy Liner has missed a few weeks now with concussion. So I think he should be there or thereabouts this week, considering how long it's been. Who knows? They might just kind of protect him and leave it for longer, but he should be back even with the longest concussion protocols if everything's going well for him. Very good. Um yeah, so look, I mean, this game, I'd be very, I'd be really excited for this game. Uh, Moana back at home at Mount Smart uh, Stadium, and like I alluded to, yeah, I mean, after last week's performance, you know, they were going toe to toe with the Crusaders. I think we forgot to mention until about this, I think in the seventy fourth minute, there was a a ball to Miracle Fialangi out on the left wing there, which he dropped, but he had a clear run <laughs> to the try line, and that would have put them within about four or five points from the Crusaders with you know five or six minutes to go. Uh, would have made a really interesting end to that game. So um, I think they'll certainly have taken a lot of learnings. Uh, you know, I say that every week. We've taken a lot of learnings, but I think this week particularly uh, is probably either the best. they It's certainly the best they've played this year, but it could be the best they've ever played uh, last week's game. Am I, do you think I'm overstating it there? Um, I, I think best for this year. <laughs> I think they played a few good games last year as well. Okay. No, very, very good. Um but yeah, so I, I guess against the Reds, for my, for my, I'm expecting like much more of the same. It's just do whatever you can to unleash our moor and Tava Tavanawai. Uh, my favorite part about that was seeing Tava Tavanawai appear everywhere on the field. He was, you know, Marika Koribidi-esque uh, in that it didn't matter. He's a left winger, but he was popping up, scoring tries on the right wing, center field. He was absolutely everywhere. He was doing pick and drives, whatever. So just... Um, get those two guys the ball, and particularly when they were running together and off each other, uh, was was unstoppable because you had about three three blokes trying to tackle one of them, and they just offloaded to the other one. And Kagi, not, a, not a remaining preview. preview. Kagi, preview is the word. Preview. We're not talking about last week. Preview. This week, David Davinawa is matched up against Dungunu, and Levi Moore is matched up against Luke. So Dungunu obviously trying to force his way back into a Wallabies squad after having a pretty solid season. His downside, though, is that he has a 64% tackle rate, and I don't think that's going to go up this week. If anything, I think it's going to plummet. You may see the first player in the 50s. Uh, Fluke, though, I think it's an awesome opportunity for him. If Levi Moore actually runs at him, he might be running too tight in the channel between 10 and 12, but... 
Lukey, uh, we were the worry for him from our, us when we've discussed him in the past has been that I just didn't think he had the body yet to hold up a test match footy. But man, if he can put a few shots on Levi Moore and, and quieten him down, then that's a massive, massive statement for him. And, and, and sorry, do you think he can put a few shots on Levi Moore and quiet him down? Shots, no. no. Uh, tackling, <laughs> no. I was going to say, I, I'm, I'm hoping for the, uh, the the boot laces and hold on for all my... Yeah, yeah exactly right. For, but that's a win, I'm mate. Against Levi Moore, sure. that's absolutely a win. Uh, for sure. But um, no, certainly a big... Yeah, you, uh, the, probably the biggest test that he can have uh, <laughs> will be this week. So yeah. that'll be really good. But um, yeah, I mean, otherwise, I think, uh, yeah, they're getting closer to that 80-minute performance. Uh, you know, like like we said, it was it was almost 75-minute performance there uh, last week. So only a couple of minutes to go. Um, and, yeah, I think one of you had really been liking um, or noticing particularly how um, Eritara Inari had been playing, Nels. Yeah, mate, I think um, Inari has been, yeah, one of the best passes in the cop. He's got a really crisp pass on him. I think he's really been controlling that Moana attack um, and, and has had a real purpose in how he's been directing them. I think he has been very, very solid for them and he's building throughout this year. And I think he's going to be a big part of them. If they're going to be an attacking side moving forward, that's not just give it to Tavatavanawai, which, I mean, I'm not saying don't, and Amua, I think he's a very big part of it. For sure. And I think I think what might have helped as well is that... Um... He'd been playing in the halves with uh, Lincoln McClutchy, and I think they'd both played quite a few games together for the Magpies. And for Mighty as well. There's a few in that in that back line. Yeah, for sure. So so I guess the summary of Moana is do the same again uh, and just get to get play the full 80. You know what I mean? Try not to chop and change the lineup too much uh, and just, yeah, go all out. But um, the Reds, how are they going to deal with it? And uh, And can they stop it? Harry, what do you think? Well, the Reds are still consistently inconsistent, so much so that they've gone from having a good game and a bad game to last week a good half and a bad half. So I'm 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 really not sure which Reds team is going to show up. Um, you know, it was interesting seeing Quaid tweeting about the fact that he can't work out what the Reds are trying to do anymore. He's got a big appreciation for the systems that teams play with and particularly how well drilled the Brumbies are, but he just can't work out what the Reds' tactics are. So that if, if you needed uh, someone to really take a stab at the Reds and really drop their confidence, none other than the Reds' the legend, Quaid Cooper, I think that's a pretty tough one for them to take. So, yeah, no, it's fair enough, though. I just don't really know how they're going to construct play. I think the big question is going to come from who plays at 10. Obviously, James O'Connor dropped last week. Lawson Griden, I thought, arguably had his best game at 10 for the Reds. I thought he controlled it relatively well, particularly in that first half. And then Tom Liner should be back around the mix as well. To me, I think that given the defensive frailties the Reds have had conceding so many points, they've just got to play James O'Connor as the most experienced big body and hope that he can help organise the defence, get some line speed and actually put a bit of pressure on the big ball carriers from uh, Moana. It's not okay. the first time ever James O'Connor has been referred to as a big body, but no. Compared we know what to, mate, <laughs> compared to. <laughs> we know what you meant, mate. The uh, the season head, and, he, and he's, yeah, got to put them in the right parts of the field and et cetera, just, you know, control the pace of that game, I suppose. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not, did you mention the point of the Wallabies not being rested yet? I mean, literally all I said was, was the point about the 10, so no. But you're right, Fraser McBride, <laughs> Harry Wilson and Dave McDermott, none of those guys have had a rest yet. They've played in every single week. I think all three of them would be classed as the lowest level of Wallaby rest weeks. If we remember, the Wallabies had kind of three categories. So to me, that means they probably have to rest one game in the season. 
I don't know that right now when they're low in confidence and surging for a win, this is when it happens. But equally, you know, Moana Pacifica are one of the weaker sides. So I, I think logically these guys should probably have a rest each against the top teams in the comp and just accept the fact that they're probably not going to beat the Chiefs or the Brumbies, but uh, yeah. well, they're not going to play the Brumbies again. So, um, but yeah, the, it, it's a, it is a possibility that we see some of those guys rested. Um, they've also got some stocks coming back in the front row, guys. Uh, I know, Kagi, you like Baby Thor, Zane Nongor. Um, I do like Baby Thor, but he, he hasn't really he hasn't really lit it up yet. But um, you know, I think more will come with with more game time. Um, so because he'd been starting uh, every game and playing quite a lot of minutes, they put him back to the bench last week um, and gave uh, Francis uh, Suliasi, uh, I forget how to say his last name, um, a start because he had a he had a great performance off the bench the week before. Um, yeah, it's I mean, look, I, expect... I think it is. Yeah, there we go. Perfect. Thank you. Um, I'd expect to see Nongor back starting. Um, depends if uh, Penny Ravi, uh, if he's back or like, you know, he went off with his... Injury last mm-hmm. week, so I don't know if, if he's playing. We don't we don't we don't have any further information on that yet. Um, but yeah, Seth Argarse is the other one coming back, hey, from his red card. So I think that either way, that Seth could be starting if Penny's not. Yeah, for sure. So so yeah, I think with Nongor it was just a rest week. I think they do really rate him, and they just want him. He just needs game time to get to grow into it. Um, I think he's been. I think he's been feeling the pressure and to me, it seems like really focused just on like the set pace and his core role and positioning and not like not playing the game like, uh, you know, <clears throat> we'd expect of him and his Taniela Tupo, just the, really the running game and just getting getting stuck in. So um, that just comes with being a junior player and getting your first kind of lots of game time. But um, we'll see. So, yeah, I agree. I think Sefa Garci definitely either back on the bench or could be starting and uh, we'll see how we, it depends what, what happens with Penny Rabbi. And uh, look, I, I, one of the points I had was I, I touched on it before in the review. Rhodes Rolling Mall is actually coming good. Surely there's an opportunity there to score some points for the likes of Matt Fazler or Richie Asiata. Yeah, um, I really, I, uh, I've, I've been very impressed by the Reds Rolling Mall. Um, so I think that's certainly that'll be something that they'll be pushing in this game, hoping to try and, I guess, you know, catch the Moana discipline lacking. It's kind of feels like a way you can try to attract penalties um, and, you know, possibly get cards from the other team. So I think they'll certainly be, uh, <clears throat> you know, it could be a good shout having James O'Connor on there starting and then kicking for the corners and just trying with everything to uh, to get some rolling malls going. So, yep. I think the uh, the last question really is how do you shut down Tavatavanawa and Levi Almua? Um, with that Reds, you can't, but with that Reds back row. Um, so if you have the got... answer, mate, Jesus Christ, everyone will be tuning in. Nah, mate, I don't have the answer. But with Wright, Wilson, um, Mick Wright, you know, being able to put some put some shots on and bodies in the way, I think if they're, they're pushing up and really putting some pressure on those guys, as well as, you know, if Henry's playing inside centre, he's quite a physical defender as well. I think these guys have to get up in their face and, and you know, double tag, t- double team them, tag team them every single time they're running the ball, knowing these guys are running it straight through the line in tight, you know, because they're not always out wide. They're regularly looking in tight. So get up in their face and have two of you at each each chance and really put the pressure on them a little bit. I was going to say, I thought, like, Levi does run in tight a lot, but Timothy Tavatavanawa, man, he makes all his breaks out wide. He, he runs through people in tight as well. <laughs> He, he runs through people everywhere, but I think yeah, you just yeah. got to ta- – when you tackle them, you got to try to take their boots off and throw them away. That's the only – that's the, your best hope, I think, really. Um, Wait, I don't think you have, 
They have no ability to stop Tavatawa Noah out wide. Dungunu is not tackling the bloke. So no, you have so, to defend him in tight. And then Jock Campbell's covering, mate. Jock Campbell's going to be covering a, a barnstorm in Tavatawa they're, they're going they're to be saying pre-game, boys, don't let tries in the middle of the field. If it's out wide, that's all good. And Dungunu is going to be defending in the middle of the field because he does not want to tackle Tavatawa Everyone's going to be defending in the middle of the field. They'll just leave the wings <laughs> open to us. But... Um, no, very good. All right, tips for this one, gents. Um, Mohan Pacifica at home in the Reds. Um, Harry, we'll let you go first, brother. Uh, this could be Moana's first win. I'll give it to him. I'm going to say by five, they'll get it done. Nice. I, look, I think um, I think Jock's coming back in to lead. Or, to be fair, if it's Liner, one of those two boys, and they'll get it done and it will be tight. Um, and they'll probably get it done by, I'll say seven, but I'm being generous, I think. Reds to get it done. I think in the time that both of you have given your answers, I've flipped my answer three times, uh, and I'm going to go back with. I'm going to back Moana with Harry. I'm, I'm going to. I think they're going to get their first win, and um, just because Harry said five, I'm going to go six just to you know get that outlier. You know what I? Yeah. You know, I love yeah. That. Outlier. Come on, mate. Excellent. All right. Well, look. Let's let's go on to the next game. I think also Friday night we've got the Brumbies and the Fijian and Drua. Um, New injuries to report on this one. Uh, Brumbies, we still haven't found what planet Corey Tool is on after Angus Belyth, uh went, went after him. Um, but no, he he will be out. We're, we're pretty certain we'll be out this week from concussion. Um, he will be. Yeah, so I think you can bet on that. Um, and then next week, the week after, they've got the bye. Uh, the Drew are coming off a bye. So, um, yeah, most players should be fresh. Um, so no new injuries, whatever, and uh, returning. So no one really returning from the Brumbies that we know of. And for the Drew, uh, Frank Lamani coming back from a, a knee bruised. It, it would have to be, I don't know if, if it was cautious or, you know, a little serious for them to have pulled him from the last game, which was a home game in Suva. They said that it happened on Thursday. If it had happened on Tuesday, it would have been out of play. Yeah, exactly, because I feel like he's the type of player that, they, you know, <laughs> it'd be hard to tell him he's not playing as well. Um, and otherwise, uh, the captain, uh, Meli Derenalangi, the white shark, um, just from some cramps, he kind of cramped up towards the end of the, the game there and, and went off the field, but, you know, should be back in fine. This one, it's going to be an exciting game down in Canberra. Um, very different uh, very different temperature to the last game over in Fiji. Um I don't know. I mean, I think this is pretty simple, really. This is it's two teams that have two very different play styles, and this is going to be the Brumbies trying to slow the game down at all costs, set piece, set piece, set piece, rolling more, rolling more, rolling more, uh, and the the Drua will, will be looking to take every opportunity to speed the game up and um, and searching for some <clears> broken <throat> play and counterattack. So um, it'll be just about who. I essentially think it's really in the Brumbies' hands. Can they execute? Uh, their game plan and enforce that upon the Drua, you know, effectively. And if so, it's going to be very difficult for the Drua to kind of overcome that, um, you know, without some brilliant individual kind of performances. So, how, how do you how do you see this playing out, Nelson? The guy, yeah, I, I think you're, you're spot on. That the Brumbies need to slow it down, and a lot of that's going to come from the the back row and maybe the the, the locks as well. Valentini, Scott, Sa- um, Samu. All have to work really, really hard. Frost and Neville as well. You know, disrupting that breakdown as much as they can. Not letting Lamani get fastball and get the ball out wide. Um, I, I think the Brumbies have been a really cohesive unit um, this year, despite some of their changes. And they're obviously buying into to, to what they're getting told structure wise and, and and how to play. And I think for me, I'd be really surprised 
if those you know five guys back five of the forwards aren't being told to to get in and slow everything down as much as they can. Yeah, agreed. Um, speaking of, you, you mentioned Frost and Caden Neville. Just another interesting point on them. They have uh, also not yet been rested. Uh, had any Wallabies <clears throat> rests, and they played. I think they've played every game, maybe one game each of them have started from the bench, but otherwise they've started every game so far this season and played, you know, one <clears> of them at least has played 80 minutes every, like most games. Um, so again, I, I guess unlikely to, they they might rest one of them with Darcy Swain back, give him a start this week, but the Brumbies buy is next week. So they could just try and push through. Um what do you think? Well, again, they probably have to rest two or three <clears throat> weeks, probably two weeks for each of them, I would think, maybe at best only one. But uh, with Darcy Swain back fit firing and in the Wallabies squad as well, you know, I'm sure there'll be some desire to give him a bit of an opportunity as well. So I think you'll probably see at least one of them end up on a bench um, as they kind of rotate to, to rotate through. This is an opportunity, whether we like it or not. The Indra are not as strong as some of the other sides. And I think they're going to have to try and rest a couple of players where they get the opportunity. Um, but one of the fast changes, I think, given that they they did that in round five. Yep, fair yep. enough. Um, ben O'Donnell, I think, will go straight in for Corey Tool on the wing. So I think that'll probably be the only other change. And other than that, I think that, that they'll probably roll out a relatively similar side given they've just had a rest. Um, on the Ndrua side of things, I don't think Byrne in, in an interview in the last week has been talking a lot about managing workload. He, you know, when he was referring to Darren Olungi's cramp, he said that might be a sign that he's fatigued and he needs a break. So uh, there's just a chance, I think, that uh, for the people out there hanging out for some lineups that we do see a few changes as they manage that. So I, I don't know mm-hmm. who that will necessarily be, but it, in my head, the ones that come to mind are, you know, Kenan Avere, Nasilla Silla, those kind of guys that have been playing week in, week out. Salawa, you know, they're, they're the players that have had such a huge workload so far this year. Yeah, and I reckon we might see Kanakavata have a have a run because I really like. I think he's been very impressive in his cameos. I think he's had one start for the season, but yeah, he, he could certainly be down for a shout. And also, I mean, off there they had a bye last week, but the week before, um, in their sorry, uh, yeah, they had a, the the week before Mira Mira, I think had his first start. Uh, really, there Mira Mira, good. He, he looked really really good. So I, I yep. expect we'll see some more of him. Um, speaking of selection and stuff in the Drua, uh, Nels, this is a we think we've discussed about this a lot, but um, God, in their outside, their outside backs, it's, it's it's tough tough pickings, isn't it? Uh, I think in the centres, you can only pick two out of uh, Revovo, uh, Vota, and Masi, and then your outside backs as well. But I mean, to start with the centres, who who are you picking if you if you're choosing out of those three centres? Look to me, I think it seems clear that they're picking two of these guys and bringing one off the bench most weeks. Um, they've they've shifted Marcy to the wing. I don't think it necessarily clicked. Whether they want to give him another chance there, this is you know this is another chance to to do that. I think was it Vota had the the rest as well um, a couple of weeks ago and wasn't in the the starting side, but they've been switching around. So if you bring in any of these three off the bench, they're going to be pretty destructive. And I mean that's that was a strength for them in the last few weeks when they've actually done it. So I I probably would go you know a Ravavau on a, uh, a Marcy and then bring on Vota off the bench. Because Aroni Sowers showed us moments. Uh, Robert Tomandas looked really, really good. Ndroa Sessis looked positive at other times. So if you want to start those three in the outside backs, I think that's the way you do it. You keep rotating in the centres. But also Aroni Sow, mate, I'd be happy to drop him and, and shift Marcy one more time and give him a crack on the wing if they think it's something that they might want to do moving forward. 
It's true. As as much as uh, I love the sledgehammer, Aroni Sau, uh, and he is in my fan. Uh, well, he's not in my fantasy team anymore. But um, I I think Ravitamunda's your your out and out first pick in those back three every time, <clears> whether it's on the wing or fullback. He's been brilliant. Yeah. Uh, and then it's really yeah, it's up to the other two guys to, to kind of step up. And I think Marcy's been in such form in any position that um, he's got to be. It's hard. It's hard to not give him a starting jersey, whether that's at wing or or on in the centres. But um, you're right. It is. It is nice to always be able to bring one of them them off the bench. So, yeah. Um, Harry, any further points with the Drua? Yeah, the other one I wanted to talk about was just who's going to partner Nasilla Silla at lock. Last game we saw three Kindaveta playing in the five jersey, and they literally did not carry a reserve lock. They had <clears throat> Mani come off the bench for three Kindaveta to play in the second row. Um, but obviously Ratu, Ratui Salia has been probably the favourite and Tua Fangalele has played a few games as well. Um, they won't necessarily play a lock on the bench. You know, they've shown now already. I'd suggest probably this week against the Brums with the firmer set piece, they might go down that road. But uh, what do they do? Do they go for the more versatile Ratui Salia or do they go for the big body of Thriki and Devetta to try and counter the weight of the Brumbies scrum and rolling more? I, I, I just haven't been impressed by in Kring and Devetta um, yet. You know, I think for me, clearly their best locks are Rotosalia and Nasila Silla. I, I reckon the game that he impresses you, you'll learn to pronounce his name correctly, Thriki and Devetta. <laughs> so, yeah, oh, look, I, I think all of us probably think the same. He's a big unit, but we just haven't seen what we expected from him. We had high hopes, didn't we? No, I did not, mate. You you talked him up this year looking that he was fit, and I said he was very average last year, and I've seen nothing to think he's going to be any better. I kind of more meant before the Ndrua joined the competition <laughs> when we're looking at the NPC and how good he was there running around in New Zealand. He was phenomenal playing in the back row. It's true. I is, think is, in, in, ter- in terms of comparing him from last year to this year, he certainly lost weight, but I think it was all in the form of the haircut. Um, you know what I mean? Definitely lost a kilo or two from that big haircut he had. But, um, but yeah. No, all right. Well, tips on this one. Um, Nels, you can go first this time. Oh, actually, did you go first? No, you was... I went first. I went no, first. Harry went first. Look, I, I think the Brumbies are just too good. And, and I think this is going to be a game that the Drua will fight and, and stay in the game for a while. And maybe it hits that 20-minute mark and the Brumbies score a few tries and break away. So for, for me, that looks something like three tries. And um, I'll, I'll say 21 points. That's, that's exactly what I wanted to say. You, uh, that's exactly what I was going to say. So now I'm going to have to go Brumbies by 22. I'll go next. Uh, Harry, you can outlier. Out. You want to be you want to be an outlier, right, mate? It's always, mate. Yeah, you're not going to be. No, <laughs> I was thinking bigger, mate. I reckon they're they're going hard on this one. Let's not forget the Highlanders beat them by 33 points, and the Brumbies are a hell of a lot better than that. The Tars beat them by 29. So I'm going to say by 32 points, the Brumbies will get it done. Huge. Wow, all right, there we go. Yeah, you have little faith. Um, and also just if you do remember that the the Drua put out on Twitter every week, if you um if you there's like a competition, if you tip the exact score, you go in the running to they'll send you out a Fiji and um Drua jersey. So they do that every week, um, which has been really I mean, I've only remembered to enter once or twice and I have probably been nowhere near the score, but there you go. You heard it here first if you didn't um already know about that one. <laughs> So, <laughs> you haven't heard it before in all the other outlets. You heard it here first. That's it. I love it. That's the kind of breaking news you get on this podcast. This is, this is why that? everyone tunes in, mate. Um, Guys, Saturday games. Saturday games. Yeah. Hurricanes versus the Chiefs. New injuries, there's none. I think uh, the Chiefs coming off the bye, the Canes 
got through well last week. And returning, the Chiefs have the cavalry coming back. We've got Josh Lord expected back after playing club footy last week from his ACL injury. Alex Nankervell had his concussion in round six, so we assume he'll be back, but there hasn't been any actual confirmation of that yet. Sam Kane came off the field in round six after taking a shocking hit to the baby makers. But uh, we are expecting him to be back up and running, considering he was seemingly he was he was chatting. It was in a high pitched voice, but he was chatting post game, and uh, <laughs> that's that's all the uh, the players expected to come back through. Very good. Um, last year they played two times, uh, and the chief won by two at home and one by away. So they were close games. I had to read that three times to understand what that sentence was saying. Um, yeah, essentially they're both close. I think I haven't actually looked at the table, but are they still number one and two on the table? Yep. Oh, yep. Brums yeah. might have. Brums are up there. Brums might have the, popped the Canes. Yeah. The the Chiefs are still undefeated. Yes. Um, but they they've had a buy, so I think they they might have slipped down to third or something potentially. No, that's it is one and two. Canes one, Chiefs yep. two, Brums three. Exactly. The top of the table clash, boys. Um, yeah. I mean, this is gonna be a great game. It's gonna be a game of the round for sure. But um. Let's let's start by looking at the Hurricanes. Uh, I mean, I think for them, look, they've had a few um, injuries. I think we can say Aiden Morgan's probably going to be starting at ten. Um, you, I think Harry just conf- saw there was an article or just confirmed and updated the casualty ward that Brett Cameron's out in the long long term now. They've confirmed that for sure. Uh, the question for me is always: they just have this plethora of talent in the centres, and um, you know, it's. I think it's hard not running Jordy at fifteen and running him at twelve because he's great at twelve, and then he's always being selected first. But then you have to pick from three or four great centers um, as to who's in the thirteen jersey. So, but, and they're they're all back but, available from injury as well. We've got Billy Proctor, Balen Sullivan, and Peter Mumunga Jensen just returned last week. I mean, who do you play? You know, we give you Josh Morby at fullback. Josh Morby has been. You know, really, really dynamic and, and dominant. I think at the back for them. Well, Morby's been all right, been but it's quiet, just, man. I think he's now awesome in as good as last year. No, he was awesome last year. I think he's been pretty good this year. So all yeah, in all, I think he's been good. And, and I think, I, I guess for Geordie, me, if I'm thinking about running out their best back line, like I put Geordie at 15, and then the, the, their centers are so good that I would put their centers in there at 12. Yeah, 30. exactly. Me too. But so I mean, put, I mean, the thing is, why why would they market the good thing? They're currently six games, yeah. six wins from six ga- seven games. You know, Geordie's been playing well at twelve. I think he takes a lot of pressure off Aiden Morgan, and I think that's probably the biggest yeah. reason not to move it. The fact that they now have got an experienced ten, so that way you got Cam Roygaard who's playing the house down, but you know, not not a mature player or not an experienced player, I should say. Aiden Morgan, an experienced, and then Geordie can take so much pressure off from that position. I mean. Surely we've gone to the point where we've gone. We all, we all shit on Billy Proctor, but so Harry, we've got we've got Harry. Before it was it was Nelson cutting in and out. Now we've got Harry cutting in and out. So... Man, I thought it was my phone playing up, but yeah, look, we we've got to a point where I think Billy Proctor has been consistent enough that he he's their thirteen. Like we we love to shit on him, you know, a fair bit, mainly because of his brother Matt Proctor. But Billy Proctor is looking really really solid for them. And I think there is no reason to take him out of that 13 jersey. They've got Sullivan. They've got, you know, Umonga Jensen, Pino Umonga Jensen there as well, um, who we saw come off the bench in their last matchup. But there is no no reason to mess with the the Geordie-Billy combination in the centres. I've got one reason. Harry, just so you know, I think you're back with us, mate. You've, uh, you were frozen for a while. Thanks, mate. But, uh... I've got one reason. Okay. I, did, I did hear that. And that one reason is Braden Sullivan, mate. 
Do you remember how good he was last year? And he's had one start this year and he killed it as well. So it's one thing to say how good Billy Proctor is, but Braden Sullivan's just as good. It's just not fair. But but the thing is, Billy Proctor's doing it week in, week out now, so there's no need to change it. Put Sullivan on the bench. I also don't know which Braden Harry's talking about. It's Balen Sullivan. Um, Balen, sorry. Balen. Has Must been. be the lag, mate. Must be the lag. <laughs> no, nah, you, you said it twice, unfortunately, so I got to confirm that you were wrong. But anyway, um, no, I agree. But I mean, but the only problem with Balen Sullivan is that he he is the best bench option because he can play wing so easily as well, whereas you don't think... I'm sure Billy Proctor could, but, you know, not really. He's, he's a centre. He's not a winger. So I'm, I'm with Nels. It's, you know, it's it's really... Deep. And I, I think I like Peter Amunga Jensen the most, um, but... Uh, and we forget Peter he, Munger got an All Black cap as well. You know what I mean? He had been, he, it's been a while since he's been in that form, but he needs to go to the Highlanders and Umanga oh, Jensen. I've said that. Centers. I think I've said that in at least four podcasts already. Yeah. That have both the Umanga Jensen brothers in the Highlander centres, but and then oh, then they should sign both Arnolds and put them both in the locks as well, and they can just be twinning it all around the paddock. Guys, one all right, well, let's, one let's other on. argument for this for oh, this yeah. whole thing is that. The Hurricanes have easily had the easiest draw up to this point of the, the season so far. Seven games. They lost to the Blue. Can you just boot them? Yeah. Other, mate, you're invalid because we can't hear you. Really? Oh, is he back? Can we boot, can, can so, we boot him? I think we should boot I, him. I can hear me just fine. So I'll, I'll keep talking because I'm assuming it's recording on my computer. Yeah. Um, so of the seven games they'll play, they lost to the Blues. They also played the Reds, the Rebels, the Waratahs, Moana Pacifica, and the Highlanders. Like it's, it's six easy, easy games we heard in a scheme of what this table is. So I, I think that's the biggest thing is that you don't and you haven't it's had a coming like test. a science fiction type of thing. All right, guys, you go. Okay. Um, yeah, no, you're cutting in and out, but Nelson and I seem to be all right over here on the connection. So I know you're recording, but um, we'll see what happens once this goes to air. But um, it'll be it'll be fun. It's kind of becoming a pick your own adventure type podcast as well. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> who, who can you hear and what 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 is everyone talking about? But um, no, I I agree. I think Harry was talking about the lineups, the, sorry, the matchups to come and whatnot. Um, but look, the other question for mine is um, pushing on was Julian Sevilla or Keeney Naholo on that right wing? Um, Julian, hey, Keeney Naholo. It's no. Keeney Naholo. Sevilla. I, I said at the start of last year. I think we're to a point where Julian Sevilla is going to be past it. I was wrong last year. I said at the start of this year, I am right this year. Definitively, absolutely, he is not the man for the job at the moment. And I, I, I hate to say it because there's Nadolo as well doing a, a similar thing and we wanted him to be the Tars and we still want him to be the Tars. But these guys are great players, but there are players there that are doing it better. Naholo is doing it better. Kenny Naholo should be their starting winger over Sevilla every week from now to the end of the year. And you can bring Sevilla off the bench if you like. He can cover outside centre occasionally. I know he's very old, but he's done that in the past and he can cover wing for you. Mate, he's he's still younger than us, mate, so he's not old. Let's just calm <laughs> down. Um, he's a young man. Um, but no, look, I agree with you. And, and the problem is I love the bus so much, but I also love Kenny Naholo. But um, I think Kenny Naholo has, you know, in the two games he's had, a, he's managed to have a crack has been awesome and he's earned the chance to to show more. But look, I'll go back and round out Harry's point since he's typed it out here, put it in bold and he wants to get it across, which is, uh, and I think it's a point worth talking about, which was that the, the, the Hurricanes have had seven games. They've won six easily so far. We haven't seen them have to, anyone perform in tough games. So the Hurricanes, you know, you could say are kind of under a little bit of a false sense of security. So 
Why, why would you back it, Sullivan though? Why would you back Sullivan off the back of that, right? Like, if we've had guys that, yes, there's false sense of security or, or whatever you want or success, that's what we have to go off. You don't need to, to stray from it. These guys have done well enough that they deserve a crack throughout the back end of the year. You don't just go, well, they've had kind of easier games. Let's drop some of them. Like, that doesn't make any sense. My, my reasoning was because Sullivan performed in 2022 when they had tough games. Yeah. Mate, it doesn't matter. Right now, Billy Proctor's doing it. We well, need to move on from this. Hold we on. If you run the Hurricanes out against the under-13Es from Newington <laughs> and Billy Proctor has a blinder, you can't tell me, therefore, you have to pick him next week against the Crusaders. You can't tell me that. It makes no sense. All right. So we, we used so to Harry, have the most passionate um, Proctor fans on this podcast. Now we've got the most passionate Sullivan fans. Uh, I thought I was the most passionate Sullivan fans uh, about Zahn Sullivan, though, not, um, not Balin, but... Um, no, look, these are good points, Harry, and it's a it's an interesting one. I can't imagine the coaching staff having to wrestle with who they play at centre every week. It's uh, I bet he's probably Jason Holland's probably frothing on the fact that he Jordy he, Jordy's an automatic selection at twelve every week, so he doesn't have to make. It's just one decision he's got to make. So, um, but no, anyway, I agree, Nels. We should. It's rare that I agree, but we should move on. I know you're holding a hand I'm up, good. but no, no, we're not going to fire back and forth. We're going to move on. No, no, I'm not. I'm not going to fire, and I've got actually good value to add, other than you know Harry going in circles. So the thing about this is the Hurricanes have. <laughs> You know, that's exactly firing back and forth, my friend. You know, I'm not on the same topic. Um, they have threats around the paddock. They've got Artie, they've got Ray Arcee, they've got Kariffi, who is in brilliant form at the moment, Geordie, Iosi, whoever you want to throw in outside center. Um, you know, they, they've just got so many threats, Naholo potentially on one wing. But the thing that is different for them this year than I think we've seen in the you know last year or the last couple of years, and yes, they've probably had easier games, but there's a bit more patience, you know, about them this year. They're, they're actually building into things throughout a match. They had 16 phases before the first try last week. So they're really just building that maturity. And I think it's something that that's really good to see from them. I agree. Look, if this, if this game is half as, uh, you know, as passionate and as intense as this conversation, just talking about the, the hurricanes players, it's going to be an absolute rip snorter. So can't wait for that. Um, Look, I think we've already talked that uh, up to high heavens about how good Cam Roygaard's been, but he's coming up against Brad Weber, and that's clearly a challenge for that for that All Blacks jersey, that one of those second or third All Blacks jerseys. And uh, yeah, Aiden Morgan's needs to uh, really step up and inject himself into the game. I think is really the last point. So we've seen some really we saw some really exciting signs from him last year that he got thrown into it and started performing straight off the bat. You know, had absolutely no fear. Have yet to see it um, this year, but. Um, Let's see that. Now, let's look at the Chiefs. Um, the Chefs, Harry, do you want to start us off on the Chefs? Uh, yep, yep. So, Aiden Ross, I would think, swaps straight back in for Ollie Norris. I think he's probably the format player out of those two, but obviously Norris playing well every opportunity he's had as well. Um, the Probably the biggest question is, again, at 10 for the Chefs, and that is about DMAC. You know, where do you play him, 10 and 15? I think the expectation is if he plays 10, Shooter plays 15, if he plays 15, Gatlin plays 10. For me, it's a no-brainer. Shooter has to be on the park. So, therefore, I'd probably play him at 10. Um, again, you know how passionate I feel about Joshua Ne, so I'll push Shooter to the wing because I think he's just good enough no matter where he goes. But um, I would also think uh, DMAC 10, Shooter 11, attending Nana Saturo back to the bench and uh, everyone gets Joshua Ne playing. <laughs> 
Have you still you got Josh Rawani on your on your bench on your fantasy side? You still been clinging on to him? No, nah, I, I, yeah, I, I ditched him. him. Actually, no, I do. Oh. I do. I take it back. I was getting. Yeah, you do, mate. <laughs> okay, I thought there was some motivation there, but I'm with you though. I'm. I'm I think we're all very. I want to see some more of Josh Rawani. He's a player that excites me, um, and I do want to see him in there. Uh, Nels, what? Any other points you've got on this one? Uh, not really. I, I I think there was. You know, they're still stacked. For, for the locks, they're obviously not going to move uh, Vai or um, Retallick out of that kind of role that they're doing as starters. But Josh Lord has trickled back in. Akoi is there. Um, they've got, you know, different people that they might be able to fill that third lock role from. And I, I'm not sure who, sure who that is. Um, there's there's a lot of talent in the depth waiting. Akoi brings the versatility that he's, he's played a lot of six. Uh, yep. I think he played the entire um, NPC uh, as yeah. six or even eight. He played a few games of eight for the Steamers as well. So um, it's interesting. But, uh, and look, he's spe- a big boy. He is. He's speaking of eights. Um, PGS, the uh, the basketball player, the uh, Peter Gusto Akula. Mate, I want, I want to bring back 2022 Peter Gusto Akula, who made the All Blacks. Where's he been? He's been. Uh, I haven't. We haven't seen that form this year. He's. Um, I think perhaps like I think he's only played one game at eight. He's been playing a lot of six uh, with Jake as a playing eight, and for me, that's been the real. That's yeah, I, I think that's game. massive. I, th- I think him getting consistent game time in the eight jersey is what helped him play so well. He actually has been good as well. Like when he's had his runs, I thought he's played very well. He's made dynamic, you know, dynamic attacking runs, breaking tackles. Throwing offloads so is that we haven't seen him consistently enough playing in a in a, I guess his preferred jersey. So I guess he's on his way out, and the, the competition from the back rowers and the Chiefs is just so stiff as well that he's he's probably not the guy that's going to benefit from all those rest weeks. And uh, it's just sadly how the Chiefs are probably going to play it, given the depth they have. Yes, sadly, but. Um... I mean, Nelson's gone and said, of course, bring back 2020 Luca Jacobson as well. Um, you guys are huge fans of. Oh, I mean, he was. Yeah, he's been he, he was. He was very good. He's he's not doing bad. I think he's building into the year as well, but he's not seeing you know the peaks that we saw a couple of years back from him. 2020 was the year that uh, Sam Kane was the third best seven in their team. That's what I remember it as. Lachlan Beauchamp, Luke Jacobson, and then and then Sam Kane rolling out third. Uh, anyway, we'll push on. Alex Nankerville, I think this is a big game for him in the same way that we uh, we, we said it was for um, one of the centres earlier. Um, but anyway, he, he's obviously now in the mix where his form's been good for a season and a half and he should be trying to find a way to push for higher honours. And I just think that he's actually up against whether it be Balan Sullivan or Billy Proctor, a really good form outside centre, good attacking player in both of them. And trying to shut down him and Geordie Barrett is a big, big ask for anyone, particularly when you're partnered with a young man as good as he is in Poi Hippie as well. I think it's a real opportunity for Nankabel to stake a claim for higher honours. Yep, for sure. I think we've talked about that before in terms of he's he's signed overseas now, hasn't he, uh, Nankabel? and. But I guess he's still got this year as a chance to to get there. So uh, and and there is still some questions with centers. We'll see. But I agree, this would be a huge test for him this week. Um, the only last player to talk about was before we we jump in our tips was Nani Saturo. Um, we we're saying you know such an impressive player, um, and certainly I guess the outside back that you wanted the most um, before the season started. And he's kind of been, you know, quiet in comparison to uh, both Shooter Stevenson and Imoni Narawa, who have been shooting the lights out. So, um, 
Is it is it just a question of the ball's been going to the right wing? <laughs> like it just hasn't been no, going no. Out, and out over to him or what? No, Nana Saturo at his best will be looking for a ball. And it doesn't seem like he's looking for the ball in, in recent weeks. I don't, I don't know what it is. Um, and it was probably something we saw from, you know, maybe Noang and Itawasi early in the year. Um, you know, just players that can be so threatening, big bodies on the wing that aren't pulling themselves in field looking for the ball. And and that's what he's got to do. I think he's got to be looking at an inside run off the 10. He's got to be getting himself involved in this game. Do you think, um, I guess question, I'll, I'll ask it for Harry. Do you think um, Inama Saturo would profit more from uh, DMAC at 10 or 15? Because I, I would think at 15 um, would mean, you know, he's getting more kind of counter. DMAC just kind of brings players into the counter attack and kind of shoots out either side. But I think that's probably plays a big part in it. Yeah, I think probably 15 purely because Gatlin does deliver the ball very well to his outsides. And then you've got DMAC in the second channel that can also bring the players outside wider than him. Whereas if you swap around, you've got Shooter in those kind of middle channels. Shooter has been so impressive scoring himself, often with one or two guys outside of him as he just kind of glides through the line. So uh, I definitely agree. I think DMAC at 15 is better for a 10. He's just not better for the side, I think. Very good. All right, tips. Um, I'll go first on this one. Uh, damn it, why'd I pick the hardest game to uh, to go first on for tips? Um, look, I think the Chefs are going seven from seven. I just the Calvary's back. Um, I just think they've been too strong. They they will come off really strong from this bye. Um, and I mean, is it? Uh, no, it's a home game for the Hurricanes. But I I think the Chiefs will get this one done. I think it'll be a close game. Um, you know, I normally like to tip big scores, but I, I'm going to say. I'm going to go with the Chiefs to get it done by, I'll say six or seven. I'm going to say seven. Okay. Um, I'm going to go and follow the trend of last year. I think game one, Chiefs won by one. Game two, they won by two. Maybe vice versa. I don't care. But this is going to be by three. Keep that trend going. One, two, three, Chiefs by three. I was going to say Chiefs by seven, uh, but I'll, I'll drop it to five just to... just. To you don't be... want to be the outlier. Give me my outlier. Thank you. No, I want to be correct. <laughs> Excellent. Very good. All right. Well, um, that takes us on to our final game of the round. Main and, event. You know, I mean, I did say the Chiefs Hurricanes will be, you know, the the game of the round, but no, it's obviously going to be this game because the Waratahs are playing. So we've got the Waratahs and the Force <laughs> in Sydney. We'll all be there. Harry and Nelson will be seventeen beers deep before the kickoff even begins. Um, will you not be there, Harry? No, I, I will. I just wanted to make sure I got to say the first point about injuries because. This is breaking news. If you haven't read it anywhere else before, then <laughs> we are the first to tell you. And that is Will Harrison has re-injured his ACL. I shouldn't joke about that. The bloke coming back from his toe injury played club footy on the weekend, re-injured his ACL early in the match, and he's going to be gone for the season again, which is, to be honest, devastating news for the four, the Waratahs' uh, season hopes because That's I think will. he was probably the answer that we are hoping for at 15. But uh, yeah, chatting to him. done for the year, sadly. Um, both teams coming off the bias. So there's obviously no other injury news beyond that, uh, but plenty of players coming back. You've got the uh, the overuse ward in the Western Force with Flaufinger, Michael Wells and Manasa Mateelli all battling their Achilles overload issues. So they should all be fit and firing, I would think, after having a week off. Um, Bryce Hegarty, should be back. He's now at three weeks off without a, with his back injury, back spasms. So there's a decent chance that he's back. Uh, the really grumbly ones can take longer than that. But generally, I think someone fit and healthy like these footy players, if there's not something seriously wrong, I'd, I'd expect him playing. Uh, and Sammy Spink, 
Um, was concussed in round six as well, so you should see him. True. And what about the Tars? There's a few few names there for the Tars coming back. A lot of names. Basically, the entire Tars injury ward is back. Uh, Masesi took a lot of back from his MCL injury or expected back. Lange Gleason from his calf injury. Archer Holtz has been managing a rib injury and had a few weeks off, so he should be right. Namani Nandolo had a one week off, just managing that knee. And again, you know, with the bye, I think he'll be fine. Lockie Swinton missed round six with a neck injury and is expected to play as well. And then you've got a few in the maybe categories as well. Tane Edmund, Hugh Sinclair, and Mayhi Vailanu all needed further clearance this week from the docks, but they're all at chance as well. Very good. Um, that's, a, that's a full score of 23. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, right? Nice. There's a few players back for this one. They'll all be frothing the bit to get out there. Um, I guess, look, starting with the Tars, yeah, Will Harrison, as we said, we were hoping he'd be the answer there at 15. So let's start with that back three balance. Um, Maxi Organson, if he's fit, um, is, is he the first choice fullback? Um, yeah, look, uh, yeah. Uh, I think he is. I, I think we we didn't expect him preseason necessarily to get a start throughout the year and he, and he flourished on the wing. And then I think given that chance at fullback, he looked very, very good. And, and they need a long-term solution there for the rest of the year, and he's done very well there. I, I don't think Donaldson stuck his hand up to be the 15. Um, he hasn't necessarily stepped, stuck his hand up to be the 10, um, but he's he might be given another chance there at the moment, depending on what happens with, with Tane. But, yeah, your goes the fullback for me. I think he's just been good enough. We've got Peach, Marky Mark, Nwangu Nidawasi, and Nadolo, uh, who will fight it out for those other two wing spots. And, um, that pushes Harry Wilson out of the the twenty three. Who, you know, young guy, he's probably got a big future ahead of him. But there's there's some stocks in that that outside backs. Um, the only other name there we've got is Ben Dowling, who you know, small, very small player, but he you know he had a good showing there at fullback. He's he's another one that that could take a chance uh, if it's given to him. Another youngster, yeah. No, no, he had started one game and he looked all right in it. But you'd have to think it's it's Jorgensen for sure. <clears throat> Yeah. Speaking of, uh, you know, positions where there's, uh, you know, who, who do you start there? I guess, well, in, as as opposed to fullback, where we don't have lots of options, uh, the back row, um, we've got plenty of options. Um, how do we see? I mean, we we I think we all agree that we would see Lange Gleeson straight back into eight. Uh, he yeah. was, I mean, his form was incredible. He was the best player in the Tars for those couple of games he was playing. It was unbelievable. And as a result of that, do we see? Uh, what Swinton back to six, Will Harris to the bench. Um, I don't think we've actually seen them ever run Will Harris and Gleason uh, at the same time at six and eight. I think they've kind of <clears> them <throat> both as number eights. Um, uh, I off think the bench. I, I think I, off the bench. They yeah, have. right. Yeah, I think you know potentially at the very back end of last year we saw that as well, didn't we? Okay. I, 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 know, I don't think we've seen them will... start start at, at six and eight, but we we may have. But um, uh, but. Yeah. Yeah, I guess for mine. So yeah, so Swinton, um, <coughs> Swinton you know, he, uh, at six. Otherwise, Teleni Seyu, he started at six uh, the last game they played before the bye, and he was looked absolutely electric for mine. Um, he just his awesome carries really getting stuck into his work. Um, he's obviously in the star squad as a lock, but um, they quite clearly we see Jed Holloway and Ned Hannigan the starting two locks. So it's either Seyu on the bench to provide cover for everything, or I mean, we could possibly see him start at six again. Over Swinto. Yeah, and look, uh, the, uh, the other one for me is that Hoops has played every minute but the last 10 minutes of round six. I know they're coming off a bye, but the bloke's meant to have three rest weeks in the season, and I'm just not sure when they're going to do that. I know that um, 
Coleman had said they're going to go hard at the first the first block, which is obviously up to this point before they worry about any of their Wallabies buyers. But that's going to start to catch up with them now. Now the likes of Jed Holloway, um, Michael Hooper, just to name a couple, Dave Parecki, that are, are due to have some rest. Parecki probably maybe had a bit of a break because of some injuries. But um, I, I wonder if they're going to hold off yeah. until Gamble's back next week or the week after from his shoulder injury. But if that's not a guarantee, then they're going to start looking for another answer. I'm, I'm not sure <clears> really what their backup plan is to cover the seven jersey if Gamble's not fit. Um, no, just, just, just run um, Will Harris, Lange Gleeson and Teleni Siu. Siu! Just run them all three of them, put them out there. So Who no Swinton. Yeah, or Swinton. Who needs a seven, though? Right. Yeah, no, no, makes no. in your makes in your seven. But no, look, I, I think you wait for Gamble. I like off the back of you know last week's buy. There's no point to go Hooper. Take two weeks off at this point. Give him a match. Give him a match or two, and then give him a week off. To me, it makes more sense in terms of load management rather than go. Let's just deload you completely for two weeks. Spread it out over the the few weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Masessi Tuopolotto over Joey Walton on the bench. Everyone happy with that? If he gets the opportunity, he's fit. Yep, that sounds good to me. Yeah, 100% that's what I want to see. And I I feel for Walton. We've talked, you know, top positives about him in the last couple of years, Harry, that he hasn't had those shots because of his injuries. But Tuopolotto showed a lot more promise for me. Absolutely. And uh, I guess that uh, takes us to the Western Force. You know, I mentioned Flaupenga, Wells and Marielli with their Achilles stuff. I, I feel like they're all fit. Tony Pulu was obviously pulled late in round six. So we're waiting to see if he's fit. Um, <clears throat> if he is fit, do you still start Marielli or does he get hunted out of the 23 again, Craigs? Considering Mate, I, he looked a little better when he had a run last game. I don't think you were giving him enough credit for last game. I, th- I think maybe I didn't actually I didn't get to watch the whole of the second half of that game where he must have been very quiet. But the first half, yeah, you, sh- you should watch all eighty minutes if you're going to make a judgment on his eighty minute performance. That, no, no. Well, I, mate, <laughs> well, I saw enough. I saw all I needed to see in that first half, and right. uh, in that first half, he made some great breaks. He looked electric. So I just thought, mate, get this bloke on the field uh, at all costs, which we've all been saying all year. But yeah. um, so I think. Now, Kagi- Mate, you, you said uh, last week that he was probably the man of the match and you, you just admitted you didn't watch most of the match. So we probably shouldn't listen to you the 40 minutes that I watched. In the 40 uh, minutes so I watched, he was bad. So I just assumed he carried that form on to the second half. Um, he clearly didn't. That's, that's, probably, but, uh, that's probably all we needed from you. All right, again, so Kiriviji should be one wing and no, mate, you give Matteo the other wing. Just give him a chance. Excellent. Not because he was the best in, of the season in his five <laughs> minutes last week that you watched. But because it's Matteelli, mate, you give him a crack. Yeah, um, I 100% agree. Just start the bloke because he's your best player. Um, speaking, speaking of the bloke to just start because he's better than everyone else, mate, Isaac Fines, can we just start him at halfback? To me, he is so clearly by far their best <clears> halfback <throat> and it kind of brings a much-needed spark uh, and uh, you know, just ask questions around the breakdown that just aren't being asked. That's valid though. Like he, he, the issue is he does bring a spark from the bench. Like he's just you Fakatava. He brings a spark when you need it in the back end. Gareth Simpson's been doing very well. Harry and I have obviously Mate, voiced our thoughts about this. We want name even starting. just sounds boring. You know what I mean? Like you, you fall asleep Changes just to Homer. the sound of his name. Change it to Homer. But no, look, fines we love, and if if they want to back him for the future, mate, get him on. But he 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 is being 
forced into a role of Falao Fakatava. And if you don't want him to be the guy coming off the bench for the rest of eternity, you have to give the bloke starts. You can't just go, let's put whoever we want in front of him and give him that bench role, unless that's what you want him for. It still begs the question, where is Ian Pryor? They're potentially down both their first choice 10, so they need a goal kicker as well. Ian Pryor should be kicking goals for them. Where's he? We've heard nothing about him being injured. Is it Kunzel kicking them? I mean, Bryce Hegarty will if he's back. Uh, Well, Bryce Hegarty was injured last week as well, so we still have no clarity yet on if Hegarty's going to be around because the force just haven't haven't released any information yet about it. But um, I think he had a shoulder injury. It looked pretty nasty. So I reckon there's a decent chance that... Stewart's not there. And if Bryce Hegarty's not back from his back injury, then, yeah, I think Kunzel has to play 10. And, I mean, he hasn't played there for a fair while. I think he's a good 10, mind you, better than an outside centre where he played a few weeks ago. But, man, there's, there's a lot of change there for this team again. I mean, look, or just run Manasa Mataeli out at 10. You know what I mean? That's fine. Like, because he'll just run the ball every time. Um, but, no, OK. Or, he, or Kagi, hear me out. Bring yeah. another Mataeli on the field. That's it. Uh, look, you'll never hear me. There's no amount of Mata Elias on a field that I'll ever be upset about. You know what I mean? The more, the merrier. Um, we we only learned also, this weekend that his yeah. sister's playing for the Western Force as well. Oh, oh, I filled her in with that nugget. Yeah, and, and Martha, I think it's Martha Mata Eli. Just bring them all on. Mata, how good. How good. Adopted. They're definitely adopted. They can play for the Wallabies. Uh, guys, if if it does come to it and Bailey Kunz will <clears> play 10, who plays in the other centre position? It has to be George Pullman, right? The pool now, is, is there anyone else that could play there? Um, Strawn? Maybe Strawn probably, could play centre? Str- I, I think you, you're giving Strawn a crack. Like a, I, I, think I don't think Pullman's shown enough. I think we. I think you answered it earlier, mate. Just Rupeni Mataeli. Get him in there. That's fine, you know. <laughs> centers, I mean, they've, they've, wherever, mate. They've, Grace, they've got Grayson Makara, who you know, I think they gave glimpses and, and cracks of in, in the past, and mm. he's still quite young. Maybe he's a guy that they, they give a chance, but Pullman's been the guy that's oh. been back in well, the bench. Otherwise, look, they recalled, he's not he's not 12. I was gonna say, they recalled um Jeremy Thrush, mate. Just give Richard Kahui the phone call, mm. get him on a plane back here as well. You know what I mean? It's yeah, we'd all feel better about that, to be honest. I know it goes against what we talked about in the last podcast, but Richard <laughs> he is an exception, mate. That guy's got another five good years in him. Let's be honest. They've also they've, they've brought in another Kiwi, Fuliaki, who I think was on the bench for them, actually, in their last outing. Again, we said, don't do this, but maybe that's what they'll do. Cause all right, we're not... We're, I, I, don't, I don't think he was. Re, I don't think re-ranting was. the force rant from last week. I'm pretty week. sure he was. But, um, no. Uh, got one uh, I mean, la- last questions on this one. Um, Ollie Callan. So he was on the bench the uh, last time the force played. Um, do we see him <clears> starting <throat> at seven? And then who drops out of that back row? Um, Anstey's dropped to the bench. Right, they seem hell bent on um Raboni playing Raboni at, at eight. But um, does that change with Michael Wells uh, being available? Look, I think you're, you're in, in the way that the scrum has been played now, you just play your most dynamic ball runner at eight because it's such a strike weapon off the back of the scrum. So I think Bonnie is that guy when you think about all three of those players, uh, along with Tim Anstey as well. Um, I probably would play Wells at six, Bonnie at eight, and Callan at seven, and, I, and that means that I've got Anstey on the bench as an impact player because I think maybe he hasn't quite hit his, his top form at the moment yet this year. Mm. I think he's looked good. I, I thought he's looked very good for them, to be honest. Uh, so what would you do? Yeah. To, to be honest, uh, Warren... Be honest, Arthur, no, I want you to be honest. To, I'll be honest. Um, <laughs> if you haven't heard it first, anywhere else, I'll tell you here. But 
<laughs> no, I think, uh, Rabboni, for me, Warren Vosayato is off the bench. He's he's not playing 80 minutes. And he, sure, he's doing some runs, but he's not really hitting rucks. He's struggling defensively to, to push himself to get to situations. I don't think he's offering enough around the paddock. So he'd be someone to be bring on with some fatiguing defense, knowing he can run the ball and be very physical. So I'd be bringing him off the bench and probably starting Wells as your number eight. Right. Yeah, fair enough. And, and to be fair, I mean, Nelson hasn't even mentioned Jackson Pugh yet uh, in this podcast. So um... Start Pugh at eight. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. I think right, there's an option here. Look, we, we've talked a lot. We've talked predominantly in this game about lineups, but um, how do we see this game go? Before we get to tips, how do we see this game going? What does each team need to do to secure the win? Let's start with the Waratahs. Uh, the Tars haven't been particularly successful so far this year, but what what have they been doing wrong? What do they need to? They'll really see this as an opportunity to get bag a win against the Force. What what do they need? What's the game plan? What do they need to do? Well, I think uh, what they did right against the Brums <clears throat> was they they actually found their defensive force that that you know the the blue wall or whatever they call themselves, and they'd kind of gone back to that as a foundation of their game, and I think that made huge huge improvements for the sides. What they did wrong in that game, two things, I think. Firstly, they played the Brumbies. That was one thing they did wrong. And secondly, uh, just a little bit of that composure late in the game, Ned Hannigan knocking on a good kickoff, Donaldson kicking a ball out in the fall. It was just those little moments. I don't think they should be under quite as much pressure with all due respect to the Western Force at the moment. So if they can come with that same kind of determined nature, knowing that their season really is on the line at this point, I think that their defence can really lead them through to a win even if it was 10-7, I think, you know, that they, they have enough points in them really that they should be able to get over the top. Very good. Nels, anything to add on that? Or do you want to talk about the force? What do the force need to do? No, I think that's probably a good sum up um, for, for the Tars. Look, uh, it's difficult. I'm not sure what it is for the force that they need to do. Uh, the, the biggest issue really is that chopping and changing at 10 in the centres. And therefore, there's already a very weak and cohesive, you know, outfit for this side because of, you know, everything in the past and what's been going on for them. So uh, they're just, they've just got to work hard for each other, no matter how lame that sounds. They've, they've got to be putting in the efforts, keeping this game tight early on, taking the points when they're on offer and being as physical as they can against the Tars because the Tars haven't shown that they're necessarily going to be consistently good. And I think, look, with Falau Fainga back, I think the Rolling Mall, they'll go for a good shout um, with that you know, against the Tars. I think I think both teams will be having a good crack at, uh, at the set piece of the Rolling Mall because uh, they've both shown that's a way they can score points. So they'll be looking to that weapon. Um, to, to me, the biggest turning point in this match is if Bryce Hegarty is fit. <clears throat> He's fit. Yeah, I agree. Then I feel like their back line looks like it's got some solidity to it. If it doesn't, I feel like they're just going to be papering up cracks, and I don't think their their team is not is going to be able to stick together well enough with the time they have together as a unit to hold the Tars out. So I think he's the key for the Western Force, and if he's there, I, I, I think it'll be a one score game. But I'll still tip the Tars on the upper end of that at seven points. I think Hegarty, Kunsul, Spink. Seems you know a, a good outfit for them from for 10 sure. to 13. All right, Harry said, Tars, uh, set, he's given his tips now. It's yours, uh, Harry. I've clearly looked at the tips, uh, and, and with the betting companies because it's at seven and a half. Look, I'll, I'll say the Tars are going to really come good here and they're going to drive this time and they're going to score by a couple try, win by a couple tries. I'm going to say the Tars by 12. That's look, w- without just going for the outlier, I was thinking Tars by 14. So, um, if Hegarty's out, I'm tipping Tars by 21 for the record. Okay, if Hegarty's well, out, I'm gonna say Tars by 23. 
Well, then I say 24. So <laughs> I'm getting that outlier on this game, boys. I'm telling you. Um, very good. All right. Well, look, that uh, concludes the main course, the previews of the four matches in Super Rugby Pacific Round 8. Uh, and, of course, we've got Round 9 next week, the last four buys before the rest of the season is just all out warfare. Um, that takes us to this point <clears throat> in the podcast where we either have a light, a light locale pod. It's uh, going to be light. It's going to be light. Is it? Okay, well, we're gonna th- I'm going to throw it to the deserto. Deserto. To our main man, Nelson, who's sorted his internet and joined us back. Uh, Nelson, what do you got for uh, for the people? Mate, it's, it's topical at the moment. So I reached out to uh, chat GPT to see a new segment that we could add for the pod. And it's come up with lots of ideas, including we should verse each other on fantasy footy, which we do. So the other one that's stood out to me is the hot takes segment. Each host could offer a bold prediction in a pin- or opinion about something related to rugby and the others can react and discuss if they agree or disagree. So we'll just throw to each of us. I think you come up on the spot. I haven't even thought about one with a bold prediction or opinion and the other two can say if they agree or disagree. Kagi, let's start with you, mate. Hot take. Hot take. Uh, Manasa Mata'eli is going to be player of the match in the Force uh, Tars game this weekend. Okay. I... Don't disagree. I'll say I disagree. I disagree, mate. He's not playing for the task. Harry, what do you reckon? Uh, yeah, I think Western Force, no chance. Matteo not on form. I think it's too hard to to say that. Sorry. Is, is it just me or did I, I actually felt like I was answering chat GBT because both of you just had like a little loading circle over you. Uh, you're just, <laughs> just waiting about 10 seconds to buffer an answer. So this is kind of really replicating uh, how the <laughs> the AI system works, but very good. That's mine off, That's the, uh, off the top of my head. I'm hoping I've given you guys stalled enough for uh, either of you to think of one. So let's throw let's throw to Harry. Throw him under the bus. What's your hot take? I, I, I've, I've been a little quiet because I'm typing in to chat GPT to tell me the answers. This is what you normally do. I'm going to give you the chat GPT hot take. The Australian teams will finally make a comeback and give the New Zealand teams a run for their money. The chance trans-Tasman's travel restrictions lifting, the Australian teams will have a chance to showcase their talent and prove that they can compete with the best. So my hot take, does it have to be for the week or can it be for the season? Well, it no, mate, just like your take, season. mate. Okay, my take is Brumbies win the season. They win the comp. That's my hot no, take. No, I like it. On the back of ChatGBT telling me what to do. Well, ChatGBT yeah. knows all, so uh, good on it. Can, can you... Can you ask ChatGPT to say the Waratahs <clears throat> will win Super Rugby Pacific? If you say it in a certain way, they'll... You know? can't lie. All right, Nelson, and uh, you've clearly set this up. He said he hadn't thought of anything, but Nelson's clearly had a hot take in the works for uh, for about two weeks now. So, um, Nelson, hit us with yours, mate. What do you got? Mate, mate I definitely haven't, but I've, I'll, I'll throw it out there now. Um, the Tars are about to come good. We've People have shit, just thrown shit at them, heaped it on, but I think the Tars are going to end this season very well compared to the start of the season. They're going to kick it off with a very big win this week against the Force before they get an upset win in Auckland next week. You tip them by 12. So what, what's happening here with... Uh, Mate, yeah, very big win, 12 points. <laughs> Mate, I, I, my tip's different to my hot take. Oh, okay. All right. That's good. Um, well, look, all I know is that um, clearly by talking about and saying the words chat GPT, chat GPT, chat GPT, so many times in this podcast, clearly the algorithm is going to pick us up and we're going to go to the top of the rankings of, for you know, trending podcasts. So that's definitely going to happen, which is going to be good. But um, I like it. 
Yeah, good. Definitely low-cal. Uh, low-cal, low-content uh, type of dessert this uh, this time around. You don't okay. have to drag uh, it on. Cakes. You don't have to drag it out. <laughs> I'm hoping we could just There's move past and get this segment. But no, look, that's that's another episode of the Draft Rugby Show, uh, and we will catch you next week for uh, looking at round nine. Cool. <laughs> Thanks, mate. <laughs> <laughs>